Welcome on to Moss with FP Wellman. I am Fred Wellman. It's great to have you here today. Uh, I'm so excited to be back in the studio with an amazing guest that I've been a fan for many years. But first, the Washington Post is out with a fascinating and shocking analysis of the wave of book bans that have been going on across this country, mostly here in these red states. They requested records from over 100 school systems that were that had books they banned and found the shocking results that essentially 11 individual people were responsible for 60% of the book bans. 11 people. And there is not a nationwide, this is, this, there is not a nationwide movement of people calling for censorship. This is really a coordinated, organized effort leveraging attention, targeting key officials led by, well, Moms for Liberty and other extremist groups. According to this Washington Post report, they analyzed the complaints to determine who was challenging the books, what kinds of books drew objections, and why. Nearly half of all filings, 43%, targeted titles with LGBTQ characters or themes, while 36% target tiles featuring characters of color or dealing with issues of race and racism. The top reason people challenged books was sexual content. 61% of the challenges referenced this concern. Yes, you heard that right. Simply, simply referring, excuse me, simply referring to the existence of an LGBTQ character was enough for a book to be banned in 2023. So, that should terrify any American who says they actually believe in the First Amendment. And it terrifies me, and we're going to do something about it, which is why I'm so thrilled to have our guest today. We'll have a bigger discussion on this topic, I'm sure. So what? Let's get the show going. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I mentioned before, I am Fred Wellman. This is Andromas, FP Wellman. You're in the right place. If you're in the wrong place, stay, get a beer, relax. It's going to be great. <laughs> I live in Missouri, so I've been seeing the insanity of what the Republican Party is doing uh, with the help of their extremist allies like Moms for Liberty and a massive propaganda network supporting it all. Uh, our guest this week has been in this fight for our nation, her community, and our democracy for her entire adult life, while also offering some pretty on-point TV and Royals criticism, I might add, while she's at it. I am thrilled to welcome Charlotte Clymer to the show. Charlotte is a writer, communications consultant, transgender activist, and military veteran. She writes Charlotte's Web Thoughts, a popular Substack newsletter about politics, religion, and culture, as I mentioned. Charlotte's sister, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you here, finally. Hey, Fred. How you doing, brother? I'm really good, man. I couldn't be happier to have you here. It's just, it's been, it's been a long time coming. I've followed you for ages. I was following you. Uh, when you came on the military, when you started causing trouble and causing a ruckus. So <laughs> it's good to have you. You know, it's a crazy time politically, but, you know, I want to actually start the show off because um, it's also Memorial Day weekend. Right. Uh, and mm -hmm. I wanted to chat first about, you know, what that means. I think a lot of folks who follow our show or viewers or listeners, you know, Memorial Day is always a weird one, right? So what do we do? We, the big joke in our community courses, don't say happy, happy Memorial Day, right? Um, you know, but, you know, I think it's an important holiday. It's an important holiday for me, especially those who served during the war time like we both did. Um, you have such a unique military experience, though, for this weekend because you served in the old guard uh, at Arlington. So, you know, how do you approach this weekend? Well, you know, let's, let's start off with a basic one, which I think a lot of people in good faith mix up. So yeah. Memorial Day is not Veterans Day. Nope. Uh, Veterans Day is November. It celebrates everyone who served, regardless of the outcome of their service. Memorial Day is specifically for people who died in sacrifice to our nation. Uh, not just folks who died in, died in a, uh, a combat, but those who died in a theater of operations uh, in service to the United States. So on Memorial Day, we remember those who sacrificed everything uh, in our honor. 
uh, and we remember them and their families and their caregivers. That's the whole point of Memorial Day. And what you'll see this weekend uh, at Arlington National Cemetery is President Biden will come to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier. He'll present a wreath, not just to the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier, but to everyone uh, who has died in service to our country. So it is such an important holiday. It's such an important moment to recognize those who gave all. And I think it's it's arguably our most important holiday, in my humble opinion. Yeah, yeah. I know it's, I, I love Arlington. Um, it's funny. And when I, whenever I went to D.C. before I lived in that area, I always visit Arlington every time. Uh, it's yeah. such a place of honor and peace. And after I, I did three combat tours in Iraq, plus I did Desert Storm. Actually, Desert Storm is where I lost my first soldiers. Um, I uh, lost two yeah. soldiers in Desert Storm. Uh, they're not buried in Arlington, but they're in, they're in their, their VA cemeteries in their, in their hometowns. And I was always taken aback by just, when you, I don't know, you step across that threshold into Arlington and it's, you can sort of feel the weight of, of the moment, the feel the weight of those who served uh, that long line of, of, of gravestones. I must have been something to, to work there. And that was your first job on, in the army was to because you're tall, I bet, right? Is that the issue, Charlotte? <laughs> they love tall people there. They sure do. They yeah. sure do. I, I enlisted in uh, 2005. Yeah. And I decided infantry. I was talking to my recruiter. There you go. And I was 19 years old. And he's like, all right, so you, you have good ASVAB scores. You can do anything you want. You can be a translator. You can be a journalist. You can do intelligence. You can do anything you want. I was like, I want to be infantry. That's what I want to do. And there was a pause. And he's like, okay, you can do anything you want. There's a war, right? (laughs) He was incredulous. He didn't, he didn't understand why I wanted to do infantry. Uh, But you know, the death toll in Iraq adjusted a thousand. Yeah. And although I was against the war and I I still am, I think it was a disastrous foreign policy decision for us to invade Iraq. I still felt this need to serve and to share the sacrifice of people my age. And so that's why, that's why I enlisted. Yeah. Dropped out of community college, enlisted in the army and my first duty station was the Third the, uh, U.S. Infantry Regiment, better known as the Old Guard, and you know, it's National Cemetery. So whenever you see video, and you, you know this, Fred, but I'm saying this for your listeners. Yeah. Anytime you see uh, a flag drip casket being carried in Arlington, that was the unit I served in. We carried caskets. Uh, we received the remains of service members who had died in Iraq and Afghanistan and whose remains uh, uh, arrived in, in Dover, Delaware Air Force Base. Yep. And it was an honor. I, you know, and it was such an important moment early in my uh, adulthood because it it put across the grave consequences of what it means to be a leader in this country and to send young people into war. Mm-hmm. It's a weight and a burden. You know, it's it's funny how yes. I, I I didn't I, you know I went to West Point. I, you attended. Um, you know, I, I never understood it all until I served. I, my first duty station was in Korea. By the way, I volunteered to go to Korea as my first duty station. And my, my assignments <laughs> got kind of, the assignments got to the same thing. Uh, you you want to go to Korea? I'm like, oh, I want to go to Korea. Everything's like, about Korea. Uh, yeah. years, it was 1988. They had the Olympics. It was all good. And, uh, <laughs> that's, and, that's and uh, you know, and I love bulgogi. But we, um, you know, you'll notice that most of my military is driven by the food of the local culture. Uh, <laughs> and, uh and it, it, it really, the burden of that leadership, you know, you learn, I lost, like, again, the, and I've told the story otherwise, is, you know, the mission that I, we were doing recons of the, of the, what would be the invasion route for the 24th Infantry Division into the big, the big left hook of Desert Storm. It's famous now. Oh, yeah. um, we were the Apache Battalion. Um, uh, General McCaffrey was unhappy with what we were getting from our intelligence groups. We wanted to send the Apaches into basically what we call route recon. Uh, I convinced my boss to let me send my scouts with them, even though it was pitch black. And unfortunately, um, um, the mission went out and, and one of my scouts, uh, unfortunately, didn't return. 
And uh, and that burden for a 25 year old kid, um, I was a kid basically because I look at the same age as my youngest. Is son. your first lieutenant, second lieutenant at the time? I was a one LT. Yeah, it was one LT. Second, yeah. It was my second second assignment in the army. And uh, and I, I tell you, it's 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 as a burden you carry with you. So it, for me especially, going to Arlington and and, and being aware that these young men and women. Uh, sacrificed for their country or served or got sick or, you know, and, 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 the, and the weight that goes with it. My parents are buried here. My dad was a Marine World War II. He's buried here at um, Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery, which is a lovely cemetery. And, um, and I, last year, I think it was two or two years ago, I did a video for the Lincoln Project and I was still with them. So two years ago. And I went mm -hmm. down to, I went, it was funny, my girlfriend came down to film it with me. They asked me to do it just like a bit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you know how we are. It's like, well, I'll just go do it. It's no big deal. Yeah. You know, I'll just walk in. And we get there and I start, she flips the camera on and I freaking like have break down like a freaking tall, you know, you know like a child. And, uh, and we, she goes, she goes, what's going on? I said, I, you know, I don't know. I just, it, you just don't think about it till you think about it. And when no. you think about it, the emotions come. And, so we compartmentalize. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we learn how to compartmentalize. Yeah. It's an age of our beast. You know, I want to, I want to segue from that to another war, right? And, and the political world we're kind of in a fight for our lives too. And especially the, the, the transgender community and the LGBTQ community is, you know, one of the things I say here in the show a lot is, you know, many in DC and you're there um, say you know, that these are a lot of these issues we're dealing with in the red states, like the you know, abortion or the book bans or the LGBTQ or the transgenders, the drag show issues are culture wars. And a, a theme I use a lot, people are probably sick of hearing it on the show here is that for those who are living out here and for those from that community, like yourself and your, and your peers, it's a real ass war. You know, people's lives are in danger. People are losing their lives. Um, you've been an advocate and leading voice for the LGBTQ community for years, and you're a veteran. Do you see this as a war? I mean, what's your perspective on that? And you're yes. in DC. You're in yes. DC. What's your? Do you get frustrated by the terminology of a culture war issue when you know that you're seeing others in your community suffer? I mean, what's your take on that? You know, I I, I hate the term culture war. Right. Because culture war is like. Uh, a culture war, in my humble opinion, would be like, you know, I'm from Texas. Where are you from? Where are you from again, Fred? I'm from right here, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri. Missouri, right. So, so you, you're you from, Missouri, I'm from Texas. You get a culture it. war between us would be talking about who has the best barbecue. Well, Missouri, right? but go ahead. <laughs> I love me some Texas barbecue. But I admit freely, I love me some Texas barbecue. So I'm not there you go. <laughs> that is a culture war. Right. What is not a culture war is debating the validity of another person's humanity. That's not a culture war. That is putting a referendum on whether someone should exist. Mm. You know, I think there are a lot of your, a lot of folks who are listening to this, a lot of your listeners who are good people or wonderful people. They just may not know a lot about trans folks. Right. And I get that. I get it. It, 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 you know, to a lot of people, it may feel unfamiliar. Uh, it may feel a little intimidating. They don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, and my message to those folks is just get to know us. Yeah. That's all you got to do. We are as diverse as anyone. Uh, trans folks come from, every race, every ethnicity, every religion, every state, every country, every culture, going back to antiquity. Uh, this is not a new thing. You right. can literally find trans people all throughout human history as for as long as there's been recorded human history all over the world. Yeah. Uh, and so what I try to do is get the point across that we are just like everybody else, except we struggle with what is called gender dysphoria. And this is not a mental illness. Uh, this is not a, uh, a disability. It is, it is primarily an incongruence between how our brain operates and the rest of the world around us. 
But trans people are everywhere. We're elected officials. We're public school teachers. We serve in the military. There are, gosh, there are an estimated something like 14,000 trans people serving in the military right now. Yep. Many of them in the closet, admittedly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, no. A lot of them serving openly. Yeah. Like, yeah. I tell people all the time, you've probably met trans people and didn't know it. It's not, it's not that simple, you know, all the time, you know, I, I'll be very honest. One of my first soldiers I met who was a transgender uh, young man, I had no idea, none until one day he pulled me and says, by the way, I'm like, shit, you didn't have to tell me, bro. I had no idea. And and by the way, God bless you. You know, I have a great, just keep doing your shit. I don't care. (laughs) You know, it's, it's again, yeah, I I tell people all the time, you probably don't. We had this conversation during the don't ask, don't tell days. I remember I had a, I had a colonel who's like, Fred, you know, I, I, the, you know, lifting don't ask, don't tell allowing gay soldiers to serve is going to destroy morale. I said, sir, would they serve now? Sir, I, I, I said, sir, we have soldiers right now. You, you, you are right. leading soldiers right now. What do you mean? Sir, captain, I won't name his name. You know what you know? You don't, you don't really think the captain's bringing his roommate to every event. <laughs> Did you bring your roommate to your balls? <laughs> and, he, and he literally sat there for a second, Charlotte. Like, he, like, he, didn't, he didn't even think. I was like, he's never had a date, sir. How do you not get it? You know? And, and guess what? <laughs> And guess what? Nobody gives a shit. Nobody no. gives a shit, right? It, it, you know, so it's the same thing. You may not even know, right? I mean, what matters in the military? It's the standard, right? Do you meet the standard or right. do you not meet the standard? That's right. the only thing that matters, right? I, it was the funny. Of excellence. And you lived through "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." I remember the the oh, oh my yeah. god the, the the gnashing of teeth about it being lifted and it got lifted and know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing happened because because your generation of soldier Charlotte. Your generation of soldier grew up with a much more open mind and then just didn't care. And then we were at war and everybody's like, I don't give a shit. Just get, just do your job. I don't, I don't care. You love just fight. You know, it's funny these days, like, you know, if there's a gay soldier who who gets kicked out of the military, it's because they're just not a very good soldier. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You suck at soldiering. (laughs) If there's a trans uh, soldier who isn't meeting the standard and isn't trying to meet the standard, I'll be the first to say, yeah, kick their ass out. They shouldn't be, they don't belong in the military. Right. Or, or a white guy like me, you know, or a white guy like me. I mean, again, it is what it is. You know, certainly being an old white guy doesn't make me a better soldier. Frankly, sometimes I wasn't that great. You know, I live in Missouri. And it's been an absolute all-out war on the transgender community here. I mean, vicious lies, doxing. One of the leading gender-affirming care clinics in the country through Washington University is here. They were doxed because they, you, I'm sure you saw the stories about the, the fake insider who made stuff oh, up. Sick. It's just horrible. Yeah, it was just horrible. I mean, what is the community? I, I mean, getting back to what you said, it was such, a, and I've heard you say it before and it strikes me. What is the impact on your community from this ongoing assault on the right to even exist? I mean, I say it often. I mean, it must be devastating. It's it's very scary right now, Fred. I mean, in all seriousness, it's, it's very, very scary because we have science on our side. Every major medical organization, the American Medical Association, the American uh, Psychological Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, uh, the American Association of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and the National Institutes of Health, literally every major medical authority and scientific expert has said resolutely beyond any shadow of a doubt that trans people are consistent with our understanding of science yep. and that gender affirming care is not only necessary, but it is life-saving, yep. right? That's all that should matter. Right. Doctors, families, and trans folks, and in so many cases, trans kids. But what we hear over and over is this propaganda. So, so let, me, let me disabuse uh, uh, some of your listeners of some propaganda they've heard. Let me tell you if you've heard this one, that there are trans children getting surgery. You've heard that one, right? Oh, yeah. That was, that's Missouri, baby. Holy false. Yeah. Complete lie. Not true. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so what, ha- what happens is there's this thing called WPATH. 
And it's basically the, the, uh, the standardized guidelines for gender affirming care for children and adolescents. You cannot get hormones if you're under 16. You can't. Okay. It's, 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 it's just not the recommendation. So it doesn't happen. You can't get surgery under 18. Okay. Now there are very rare circumstances in which, uh, perhaps a, a young trans, uh, young trans man or a trans teenager who is a male will get a mastectomy right. in consultation with their doctor, but they have to go through a rigorous process in order to do it. Now, let me, let me, let me point out something as a comparison in 2020, which is the latest year for which we have this data, there were 3,200 young women under the age of 18 minors who got breast enhancement surgery, ah. meaning they, they, they got surgery to enlarge their breasts over 3000 young women. Wow. 3000. Now, do you think there was anything approaching how many, how many States do you guess have banned that practice in the last couple of years? None that I know of. California. Not a one. Okay. Not a one. Wow. But if you were to go to these same anti-trans politicians and say, well, listen, on one side, we have doctors saying that this is life-saving care and the trans kids should have access to a, a reasonable approach in gender-affirming care, they'll say, no, hell no. But if you were to ask them, is it okay for a 16-year-old girl to get breast enhancement surgery, do you think that she has the wherewithal to do that? They'll say, oh, well, you know, that's a different issue, but it's not a different issue. That is altering your body. Uh, for a non-medically necessary reason, because you want to. It's a cosmetic reason. And look, that's between families and doctors and and the teenagers who pursue that. That's none of my business. But if you're not going to say something about that, but you are going to say something about something that's life-saving, that literally has been proven to reduce suicidality, depression, et cetera, we got a problem and we got a big problem. Wow. Yeah, we we had that debate here in Missouri, of course, with trans sports bills and all these things. And and Peter Meredith, this is a local state uh, state delegate here from St. Louis, just did a brilliant job. You may have seen him on Twitter, just to, just dismantling the Speaker of the House or the Republican Speaker of the House here. And he brought up the point that the first gender affirming care clinic was in Germany in the 30s. That's and, right. And and it was burned <laughs> and destroyed. Was the first thing the, the, first the, the Nazis first destroyed. The Nazis did was burn down the gender affirming clinic and they banned LGBTQ people. And we're not just talking. And I know some of your listeners will be like, "Well, I was gay and lesbian and bisexual people." No. No, there were trans people in Germany who were getting gender affirming care early on in the Third Reich because scientists recognized that it was just common sense. Like, yes, this person is clearly struggling. This is a this is an easy uh, uh, medical treatment to approach. And so that's what they did. And it was successful until the Nazis took over. And then they started putting trans people and, and really LGBTQ people generally into these death camps. LGBTQ people were some of the first victims of the Holocaust. And a lot of people don't understand that. No, it's 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 gutting when you hear these stories, and I really appreciate your perspective. And and talk about Nazis. Let's let's talk about that. So we, we're having insane discussions as well about that, that topic, right? We both, I think, we've both discussed this for years: the continued rise of white supremacists and extremists within the ranks of the military and the veteran community. Unfortunately, you wrote about it in February 2021 in the USA Today. You concluded, and if you don't mind me reading, you concluded with this: no, please, please. I'm a proud veteran, and I'm one of millions of veterans. Who have looked at this ongoing catastrophe with horror and disgust as a fraction of cowards who serve within our ranks and are carrying out a violent racist ideology against our country and forsaken the oath they took to our, defend our constitution mm-hmm. we need to do better immediately and that starts with being honest and acknowledging the effects of systemic racism on our military and our nation and, right. and now we have tommy tuberville um, last week, you know, in his ongoing efforts to stop abortion care and others, he's holding other promotions over 200 general officers. His latest one is about, uh, it changes by the week. I think it was 
First, it was not, we have too many generals now, but last week he said it out loud. He says, you know, that the Biden administration is trying to keep out white nationalists. They call them white nationalists. I call them Americans. <laughs> um, and he wants to stop any programs. You know, where do we think, I mean, that's two years now. Where do you think we stand protecting these institutions that you and I served in so well, and, and let's point out the obvious here, and I think this needs to be said as often as possible. Tommy Tuberville didn't have the courage to serve the military. Bingo. He didn't do any public service. He was right. a, he's been a football coach his entire career. He didn't yep. serve in the military during the Gulf War, when in which you honorably served. He didn't serve when uh, our nation was attacked in 9-11. He didn't have the guts to leave his lucrative football career and put on a uniform like you and I did. I, I, I don't take anything he has to say uh, with any degree of gravitas because this is not a man who actually cares about his country. Yeah. So when he says this about the military, when he's holding up promotions for officers, which doesn't just affect them, it affects their families too. Yep. This, for those who haven't served in the military, it's not just a rank, right? I, I guarantee you most officers don't give a shit about rank. <laughs> what they care about is the pay that comes with it, the housing subsidies, yeah. the benefits, putting their kids through college, yep. being able to, to move into to a better military housing overall. Yep. And he is keeping these families from taking care of themselves by holding up these promotions for no other reason than defending racists in the U.S. military. And that is not okay. No. And it goes to, you know, we know, I think at 1.10% of all the people prosecuted for uh, January 6th were, were veterans. I mean, we do have an issue, right? There, there is an extreme. Yep. You saw, you, I think I've seen you speak uh, previously about seeing it even in the old guard, some racism and, and some <sighs> just the misogyny and everything else that this is everybody who served. I mean, there was a, what the military times poll a couple of years ago saying like two thirds or some ridiculous number had seen evidence, you know, white supremacist activity within the ranks, you know, with That's the right. tattoos and, and there's constant denial of it. I mean, uh, do you think they're doing enough to fight back? I mean, I mean, we're being no, okay. no, I don't. And in fact, you know, after President Biden came into office, uh, the Secretary of Defense uh, Lloyd Austin III, who used to be a four-star general in the Army, yep. he launched a task force within the Pentagon to recognize white supremacy in the ranks and to address it. That means to root it out. Uh, and basically, what Republicans have done is put they put so much pressure uh, on the Biden administration that it was taking too much political capital away. Yeah. Like, you know, the Biden, Biden administration has to worry about, uh, they have to worry about a war in Ukraine. They have to worry about, you know, this uh, possible invasion of Taiwan by China. Uh, there's all these things going on. And so the Biden administration just eventually said, you know what, uh, we can't do this. Yeah, I mean, we can't, we can't keep wasting our national security apparatus to worry about these handful of Republican senators who never served in the military uh, getting uh, anxious over tackling white supremacy. And so they had to put the task force on pause. And that's what they've done. The task force has not uh, been uh, functional for like nine months now because of Republicans who have held our national security hostage in order to protect racists in the military. That's a great play. Let's take a pause for a second for our sponsors. Uh, we've got some great, great folks to support the show. Yeah. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. And I'm not talking about some weird mind voodoo or a wacky message board. No, we're talking about our sponsor, Fume, and they look at the problem in a different way. Now, not everything in a bad habit is bad. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-numbed device that does just that. Instead of an electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, fume uses flavored air. And instead of chemicals, fume uses all natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, fume is good. It's a habit 
you're a free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes in an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which is helpful for de-stressing anxiety while breaking your bad habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. It's easy to hold and perfectly balanced and quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up and I feel pretty cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard, but switching to fume is easy, enjoyable, and honestly, even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories. There's no reason that can't be you. So join Fume, accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Now, head to tryfume.com and use code FRED to save 10% when you get the journey pack today. That's tryfum.com and use code FRED to save an additional 10% off your order today. As you know, I have a big family, and that means there's usually a lot of garbage left over by the end of the week. And frankly, I used to feel really guilty about it, but then I got a Lomi. Now that I have a Lomi, it's changed the way I think about my food waste. Lomi transforms my garbage into gold at the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electronic composter that turns food scraps into dirt in under four hours. Now I love composting. <laughs> Plus, it's made cooking at home even more fun. There's no food wrong in my garbage smelling up the kitchen. Thanks to Lomi, I only have to take out the trash like once a week, and it's hassle-free, mess-free, no more leaking bags. So here's something cool, too. I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants, my lawn, and my big garden in my backyard. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane gas. I get to help the environment, and that makes my life easier. All my food scraps, plant clippings, and even those leftovers I forgot in the back of the fridge go back into my garden, help me grow more nutritious food right in my backyard. I learned recently that food waste makes up a huge portion of our personal carbon footprint. So I reduce the amount of food I send to the landfill, I'm helping to do my part for the planet while also feeding my garden. So whether you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just grow a beautiful garden like mine, Lomi is perfect for you. So head to Lomi.com slash Fred and use the promo code Fred to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash Fred and use promo code Fred at checkout. Thank you, Lomi, for sponsoring this episode of the show. And we're back. <laughs> so, well, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, and, and it is it is undermining our, again, good order and discipline. I mean, that's the word you learned as a private, right, is undermining good order and discipline. Everything's about good order and discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the, and the presence of racism, the presence of racist, the presence of history, knowing that these white nationalists, these other, are actually trying to get guys in the military for the training they can use in the, afterwards these militias, you know, undermines good order and discipline. And, and you saw it firsthand. Um, can we define that for folks, Fred, so that they're not to. confused? Because I ahead. feel like some people are going to listen to this and they'll be like, well, listen, I've I've accidentally said something wrong in the past. I didn't mean to say it. Maybe I said like uh, something that I didn't mean to be offensive. But I did. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about harmless, good faith mistakes. We're talking about people who openly express white supremacist views, who say things like white people are the superior race, yeah. who say, hey, Maybe Hitler wasn't such a bad person. Maybe he had some good ideas in his uh, ideology. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about out and out racists right. who are in our military right now. Yeah, it's not guys had the N word slip, right? It's if bad enough, sure, which is bad I mean, enough. Bad. But you know, I tell people all the time, Charlotte. I used to tell people all the time. Um, 
you know, well, the military, I can't believe they didn't get, you know, I, I can train a soldier. I can, I can put rules in place, but I can't overcome 18 years of you raising them. Right. No. If you raised a terrible person, if you raised a racist, my eight weeks of basic training and the UCMJ is not going to get that out of his head, his or her head. Right. That's and right. so we have to have which. But what makes the military special and it frustrates those of us who are advocates, I think, when you look at the police, for example, let's use a, a counterpoint, is the military sure. does have a system called the U Uniform Code of Military Justice, which does punish people for yeah. breaking these rules and, and and can even put them in jail. Whereas what we see on the other or organizations, and this is what I think what makes why I'm still proud of my service and I'm still proud to support the military and still will will will, will vociferously de defend them. We do have a system to out the bad and, and force them at least from the ranks. So they're not access to guns and all that. But unfortunately we see other elements of our society are, are, are shirking their duty and running away from it. I mean, do you see the danger in these folks in the, in the police ranks and in the other places in our, in our society, right? Yeah. I mean, look, if I were, if I were a black person in America, uh, I would completely understand the rage and lack of trust in law enforcement. Right. I mean, we've seen so many videos of unarmed black citizens being shot to death by police. Yeah. Look, I don't care what you think about white supremacy or policing. Can we all agree, though, that if a if a if an armed officer shoots an unarmed person in the back while they're running away, yep. that is wrong. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care what what else, whatever the hell else you believe in, that is wrong. Right. And we don't see that with white citizens. No. We see that with Black Americans. Black Americans are targeted by corrupt, racist cops, and the best proof we have is video. We see this all the time. Yeah. And, Would and you trust that system? I wouldn't. I wouldn't. And, 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 and the way they start, I think there was one the other day. Did you hear the story? I believe it's, oh my gosh, I'm having a brain cramp. It's, it is the, a cop. Um, I think it's Jacksonville. Uh, a cop saw a black young man sitting in a car outside of business. That's it. Sitting in a car. They approached him, started mouthing. They started mouthing. Everybody started jawjacking back and forth. Next thing you know, it escalates. More cops show up. He wrestles the kid. The kid tries to run away. They tase him. You know, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is where it gets crazy. After the young man has been arrested for sitting in a car, mind you, the cop apparently has a heart attack and dies. And they're trying to pin murder charges on the young man. Oh, my God. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. I mean, I'm not. I wish I was making that up. There, it, I don't know what the latest is. My friend Travis Akers was talking about the other day. I mean, this is where we're at. I mean, why would you literally sitting outside of business leads to, you know, a cop who has a heart attack because he's probably eating too many damn donuts. And again, going back to our, the, the, our veteran world, it is frustrating. It is frustrating to see a system that we came from where there is a price for um, doing the wrong thing uh, be abused. Now, here's the big question that everybody gets nervous when I ask it. Going back to our very beginning of our conversation with the LGBTQ issues, with the book banning, um, one of the things I've been getting in trouble for, as I say it often, is we need your need your effing help out here, right? We, I'm, I've been begging the administration a lot. I said, you know, there, there's things you should be doing to help us. It's not a culture war. It's a real war. I mean, I'm a veteran. I, I feel it. I see it. Do, you're mm -hmm. in D.C. Do you think they could be doing what? I mean, shouldn't the administration be doing more to stop this battle? I mean, for your community, especially the LGBTQ community, I mean, are they doing enough? And is there things they should be doing? Like if you had a moment to yell at the White House, what would you yell right now? Well, listen, I would never speak for communities of color because uh, I'm a white person. Yeah. But, Talk about uh, the LGBT. And not that you're asking me to. No, uh, no, 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 no ma'am. But for LGBTQ rights specifically, I will say President Biden has been extraordinary. Wonderful. He has been amazing. Now, I think the problem, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying this a little okay. bit. All right. 
there are a lot of Democrats on Capitol Hill in Congress, in the House and the Senate, who are too afraid to speak up on LGBTQ equality because they've seen this onslaught. Look, in mass communications, you have an information vacuum, right? And on most issues, you have uh, both sides of the aisle, the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, who are vying for uh, the the public support on any, any given issue. And that's how it should work in a democracy, right? Yep. You should have two strong sides who are like ironing, sharp, sharpening iron. That is a healthy democracy. But what we're seeing right now with LGBTQ rights are that Republicans have made this one of their one or two, or excuse me, one of their two or three biggest pitchforks. Uh, and they're just filling the information vacuum with everything they can. The most vile propaganda claiming that the, that uh, gay men are groomers, yeah. uh, claiming that drag shows are somehow this effort to indoctrinate children or to sexualize children, which is not happening, but that's what they say. Meanwhile, you have Republicans, and it's happening almost weekly now, you have a Republican official who gets caught in a sex scandal. Yeah. And not even a sex scandal, because that's not even accurate. They get caught in a pedophilia scandal. Right. Child images of child. You know, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, yeah. State Republican legislators who are getting caught in child pornography charges. Yep. Uh, this guy down in Texas was yep. leading the way on uh, attacking LGBTQ people as groomers. Turns out he invited an intern, like a 19 year old intern to his apartment, plied her with alcohol uh, and under the guise of mentorship and then followed up with her, I think, in the next week or so. Uh, to basically intimidate her into silence, basically say, hey, if you say, if you say anything about this, I'm going to come after you. Now, fortunately, the Texas state legislature uh, voted unanimously to expel him from the chamber. Yep. But this is what we're talking about. There, it's always projection. It yeah. is always taking what they do and projecting it on vulnerable communities who have nothing to do with it. Right. And a small community that does doesn't have the advocates, doesn't have the larger voice. I think That's right. uh, I think Peter Meredith said that the the community with gender dysphoria is what one point seven percent. It's 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 actually less than that, believe it or wow. not. Uh, so it's it's zero point six percent according to UCLA's Williams Institute. So one wow. one out of every two hundred Americans is transgender. Wow. And, yeah. and and yet this assault. I think we said the other day here in Missouri, they fielded more bills addressing transgender issues, be it sports and otherwise. Than there have ever been transgender player kids playing sports, right? That's right. <laughs> I think we had a total of four, and 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 it's only about, by the way, only about you know men, <laughs> you know women's sports. It's not about men's sports, and that was your kicker. I think they told said that three of the four transgender young athletes we've had were all playing women's sport or men's sports. <laughs> they weren't playing. Could you women's emphasize sports. that real quick for your listeners so yeah, they understand that, what you're saying? That what I'm saying is out of the entire state, right? In the history of it that these, all these laws being passed to protect women's sports, the majority of the transgender young men and women who wanted to play sports were actually playing, were, were born women and are now playing men's sports. But there's no laws about that. That's okay. Four. Just there's four or so. Four, yeah, that's four what kids in the entire state of Missouri yeah. were transgender and playing sports. Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a guy, it's it's funny, my girlfriend Heather is, um, is you think I'm feisty. Whew, she is tough. Uh, she's Dutch. <laughs> she's tough. And uh, we had a school board guy show up at our house and uh, we pulled in. I'm like, I'm not taking this. You're up. You know? <laughs> You're up. And uh, he was running for office. And she goes, oh, I'm in. I'm in, baby. So she rolls on out there and this guy, everything Things fine. He's oh, I'm not a crazy one. I'm one of the normal ones. Blah blah blah. blah. And the other guy she goes, well, one thing I do want to take on is these them there transgenders playing sports. I just I think it's just wrong. And she just she just rolled in hot on. I'm like, okay, well, tell me about that. How many we had in our school district? Go. 
Well, I don't know if we've had any. Oh, oh hold on. You want you want to make this a, a school oh, district yeah. school district issue in this school district. You need to have your numbers. How many men or women have tried to play sports who are transgender? And and the answer, by the way, is zero. Mm-hmm. Zero. And this is one of his number one priorities. And I feel bad for the guy. He did lose, by the way, probably because he got his ass whipped by my girlfriend. She's tough as nails. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, it's just it's just insanity. Meanwhile, by the way, it came out today that Missouri is the 50th of 50 states for new teacher pay. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends posted on her face her Twitter that she has three children. Five of their teachers amongst three kids are leaving in the teaching profession from Missouri. They're just quitting. They're done. Not, mm-hmm. They're just leaving. And this is the priority. The priority is these things. So, so it's. When you have no, when you have no ideas there and, and you know, look, I'm not trying to be too partisan here, but the Republican party, let's be honest here, has no new policy ideas. They don't yeah. know how to provide healthcare. They don't know how to provide housing. They don't know how to tackle homelessness or poverty. So what do you do when you don't have ideas? You give something for people to be afraid of yeah. and you tell them they're the reason you're struggling. Right. So we all hate That's the same thing together. Yeah, I think somebody said it best for years. Why do they like Trump? It's not his policies. It's just he hates the same people we do. And that's Can I make two quick points for you, too, because I think this is important. Please. Uh, since 2011, uh, the NCAA, well, before 2021. So between 2011 and 2021, the NCAA had this policy that allowed trans athletes to, to, to play openly at the college level. And in that time, there were about, I want to say, in that 10-year period, there were about 600,000, between 600,000 and 700,000 young women who received college athletic scholarships in the United States, about 650,000. How many of them that received college athletic scholarships were transgender? Do you know? I do not. Zero. That's what I figured. Believe it or not. And I know this sounds based on all the propaganda we get day in, day out. There has never been a young trans woman in the United States who has received a college athletic scholarship. It's never happened. Wow. Not a single time. Can you believe that? Just propaganda. Not a single instance. You look at Leah Thomas, uh, this poor young woman who won the uh, uh, the NCAA national championship in one of these events. Didn't win. Uh, what's that? She was, I think, second, actually. She didn't actually win, I don't think. Did oh, she? she did. She did win one event. Oh, she did win okay. one event. But it's it's interesting, though, because yeah. at, at this meet, at this swim meet, which is a national, national championship, yep. she competed in like five events. And the other four events, she got her ass roundly kicked. Right. She didn't even get the podium. As one does. As one does, right? There were 29 NCAA records broken at that swim meet by women. Do you know how many she broke? None. I know that. None. Zero. She didn't even post the top three fastest times for her event. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, I got to tell people over and over again, this is a canard. This is, this is the Republican Party looking at all the issues that you bring up, I can't, I don't have money to feed my family. I can't get a job. I can't find adequate housing. You know, I don't know how to buy a home. I don't have the money to do it. And they're taking your issues that you're scared of. And they're saying, Hey, don't worry about that. Worry about this, this trans woman who has nothing to do with any of that competing in an event after she follows the rules, after her fellow swim swimmers, like uh, uh, basically non-trans women who are looking at her and saying, yeah, of course. Yeah. Go ahead and play with us. We're fine. I don't, we don't give a shit. Yep. And they're taking her and making her a scapegoat for all your problems. That's how they do this. Yep. And it's insidious. Now, I always like to, every episode near the end, I like to ask, you know, how the hell did you, I ask people all the time, how'd you get, because it's funny, you know, you, people like us will go on TV or something like that. And, and, you know, and you just pop on and you start talking, right? But it, it's it's the journey. Like, how did you get here? I mean, you went from a soldier, you were a West Point cadet to advocacy, to awards, a bit of fame, right? You know, what's the journey from Fort, Bar- what's the journey from the barracks of Fort Meyer to here, the, 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 the pinnacle of where you are as a, a voice for our community? 
You know, I, I grew up in trailer parks in central Texas and I was the first, uh, my, neither my, my, my parents uh, graduated college, neither of them attended college. Yeah. Uh, and I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. I know what it's like to be on welfare and I know what it's like to be a family that's looked, let's look down upon yeah. that, are, that, you know, other people who have a lot more privilege or have more established families, they'll look at you and say, actually, you're not trying hard enough. Your parents are lazy. You don't belong here. And I never wanted another young person to feel that way. Yeah. So I started writing about these issues that gang steam. I developed this uh, platform on Twitter, uh, started working at uh, various organizations. I was a press secretary at the human rights campaign. Yep. Uh, I was a comms director at Catholics for choice. Um, you know, and all these things kind of wrapped up in the idea that I love this country. I love America. I want America to be the kind of country that we all want it to be, which is, which is a place where it doesn't matter who you are, if you're willing to put in the work, if you are willing to do what needs to be done, then you you can succeed. But as a corollary, that no one gets left behind. Yeah. No one. You know, we served in a military where we were taught that you don't leave any man behind, any service member behind. We should live in a country where no one, regardless of who they are, ever has to worry about where their next meal is coming from, ever has to worry about having a warm bed to sleep in at night. That's the country we should be. And by the way, to those who attend church every Sunday, I would say I do too. And what does Christ tell us? Christ tells us that at the base, at the most fundamental part of our commission as children of God is that we ensure that the, that the weakest, that the most meek on earth are taken care of first, that everyone gets food to eat, everyone gets housing, everyone gets health care. That, that is central to Christ's mission on this earth. So why aren't we doing that? If this is really one nation under God, as so many of these uh, religious fundamentalists tell us, why aren't they doing everything it takes to protect the most vulnerable among us. And they can't answer that because they don't have a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you got your voice there. I, I did. I followed you before, for years. When you're, I think, I think I actually started following you. You're still in the military, to be honest, because you, you started showing your, you really started speaking out. I think oh, yeah, you're still yeah, serving. Yeah. And uh, no, we've been, yeah, we've been following each other before I came out. I know. So. Yeah. Before you came out, I remember, be, I remember reading your thread when you came out. I, I literally That's just right. think remember it and being, extremely proud of you because it was incredibly brave what you've done is brave in this environment it's incredibly brave and on, on a, i'm sure you hear that a lot but i just wanted you to hear it from me that i think it's well, can i offer some praise for you too fred like i i feel like you and i folks like us we kind of we're not necessarily in the middle politically but we're caught between two worlds right we come from a more conservative parts of the country yep we have progressive values yep. and so you and i are expected to build bridges between people which which often pits people against us, right? There are the folks on the far left who think that we're too moderate. There are the yeah. folks on the far right who think we're too progressive. Yep. Meanwhile, we're just two reasonable adults who don't want to see people hurt. Yes, it. It's, who want to make sure that people have safety and dignity. And what is wrong with that? Right. Which is the values that this country was founded on, supposedly. And the values you and I served, the values, the oath that we raised our right hand to and, and, and swore to. I did it for you know 22 years, well, 26 years at West Point. Um, yeah, that's it. It's funny. You know, I've had a bit of a falling out with my West Point. Um, well, completely, Ugh. to be honest, I've walked away from my West Point class and, um, and I'm not embarrassed to admit that. And, um, and a lot of that was because I was getting attacked and I just kept saying, I'm positive we went to the same school. I'm positive we had these values and I've never walked away from those. It's not me. <laughs> it's you. You, you walked away from me. I didn't walk away from you. It's like the party. I didn't walk away from the Republican party. Walk, Republican party walked away from me and I'm glad to see it gone. And, uh, it's, it's so funny that these folks who memorize Schofield's definition of discipline don't understand mm -hmm. 
that Trump is the exact opposite. Right. Right. How do you how do you how do you put those together? So, well, I really appreciate you. Now, and I got to give you a chance to plug. Where do we find you? We were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, tell, absolutely. Tell our viewers and followers where they can find you. you got, this is your your self promotion. Go. Oh, I'm going to do that. Hey, folks, listen, uh, I, I would really love for you all to read my blog. I have yep. a blog called Charlotte's Web Thoughts. Yep. Uh, it's uh, at charlotteclimber.substack.com. It's completely free to read. All you need is an email. I promise I don't spam. But if you want to do a paid subscription and support my work and help me pay my bills, I welcome it to charlotteclimber.substack.com or just Google it, Charlotte's Web Thoughts. I would really appreciate it. That's yeah, great. That's one of, one of the first files I had on Substack and we've got our Substack too. Well, I really appreciate you, Charlotte. Thank you for taking time. I know you've been traveling all day. So to rush back to your office instead of going home, I really appreciate that. I'm so excited to talk to you and keep on fighting. I really appreciate it. Let's do this again, Fred. I, I really enjoyed this convo. I would love that. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, sir. You take care. Yep. See you soon. And pause. Oh, we're good. oh thanks. That was a blast. I really that was pre- wonderful. Good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, that was fun. I really... Um, I really enjoy talking to you. It was. I'm glad you joined us. So hopefully this will be good. Uh, it'll get processed. It'll it'll sneak out tomorrow on our channels, and then it goes out on Midas Touch Friday night at 11. Still, but it does well with the weekend. I know. I'm, I'm not sure. Time. Hopefully it'll do well. Time. Memorial Day weekend makes me nervous. Holidays make me nervous, but we'll see. <laughs> you know, I got I got <laughs> I got fucked on Mother's Day. Right? Matt's laughing because we're like, why are they putting us on Friday night? It's bullshit. <laughs> so anyway, promote it. So you'll see clips. I do clips on Twitter. You'll see a lot. I mean, so if you want to retweet, it'd be great. Help get that. I'm gonna boost all of it. Oh, yeah. I appreciate you so much. Thank you so much for grabbing it. Right, Go get some on. dinner. I really appreciate you having me on. I know that uh, you can have a lot of people on. So especially for your Memorial Day yeah. uh, episode, that means a lot to me. I don't know anybody is. I get asked to talk about trans rights a lot i know but i'm not just a trans woman i'm so many other things and i want to talk about military and civics and public service you know well i hope we worked in it well enough so i appreciate you i really do sister you're great so all right well get going i'll talk to you soon all right you take care bye have a good night oh man what a great show what a great conversation Charles, an American hero, and and I'm just so proud to know her and, and have time to have time to hang out with her. Uh, thank you to our sponsors, Fume and, and Lomi. I hope you check them out. Of course, we always we've always been sponsored by our friends at Vi Media. That right here in Half they own Half Coast Studios. We're you're finding us from beautiful Creekcore, Missouri. Half Coast Studios, uh, Vi Media. That's V I E dot Media. They're your digital marketing partner and, and friend. They can do great work. They're nation, nationwide now. They've been very good to my show. They've sponsored every show since the beginning, and and we really appreciate them. Uh, our new show. Those posts, as you know, Friday nights at 11 on the uh, 8 p.m. Pacific uh, at the on the Minus Touch Network. I would love you to subscribe to our Substack. We're doing some really cool stuff. Gonna have some Q and A's. That would be the big thing we're rolling out. Just so you hear about it, we'll, we'll do some Zoom Q and A's with a whole intimate setting with our paid subscribers. Starting the next couple three weeks, we'll start having some opportunities for those who pay to to join us in a, a real more intimate way. As always, you can find me at FP Wellman on Twitter. I haven't left that at all. I'm at FP Wellman everywhere except Instagram, where I'm FP Wellman official you'll see a lot of my short videos and, and posts about walking uh, and birds mostly uh, on there from our friends at Myest Touch we're doing some really fun stuff on there you can find our show at the on Democracy podcast on YouTube uh, on uh, on uh, on Democracy Pod, on Twitter, on Democracy Podcast, on YouTube, just everywhere, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, everywhere you go. I would really appreciate, look, I just, look, the show is growing like crazy. Thanks to our friends at Minus Touch. Thanks to the good production back there of my friend Matt behind the screen. The guy waves at me and tells me to remember to take a breath. <laughs> and, uh, but the, you know, the key to this, the way the algorithm works is I need you to do a, maybe do a like, do a share, do a comment, uh, go to Apple, go to Spotify, say, yeah, this shit's great. Let's, let's give me a review. I love reviews. I've got really crushing stuff. 
self-esteem issues. So if you give me a good positive review, I'd appreciate it. It is what it is. And uh, I'm a 57-year-old grandpa who's doing a podcast. I mean, come on now. So any love you can throw us is appreciated. A subscription matters. Again, thank you so I mean, this community has grown so much in the last month and a half. We're so thrilled to be part of our friends at Mize Touch Network. My friends, Ben, Brett, and, and Jordy have been just, uh, just wonderful mentoring this old man into doing this work. So thank you for joining us. I can't wait to see you next week. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. It's okay to have a great weekend. It's okay to barbecue. It's okay to have a beer. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Some of my veteran friends are a little bit salty about that stuff. I'm not one of them. I've lost men in combat. I will go visit my dad in, in, in Jefferson Barracks Cemetery. But I tell you right now, I hope you have a wonderful weekend and, and, and you celebrate with friends and family. Remember, the whole point of this is because those of us who serve and those of us we lost, we did it so you can have a great weekend and enjoy our nation. So thank you so much. I'll see you next week.